This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey everybody, it's Nick. And it's Leah. Real quick thing before we get going. We are on a holiday break. I am in Maine. And I'm in California. But we don't want to leave you empty-handed. Of course, we could never do that. So we found the perfect episode from the archives just for you. It discusses holiday tipping, which we get so many questions about. Yes, it is a fraught topic. Fraught. And we talk about drive throughs Which is very exciting because when we originally did this question, I was in New York and I had limited drive through experience. But now I'm in Los Angeles and I can't get enough. Of a drive through <laughs> I mean, it is convenient. It's also very exciting. Is it? Yes, I have so much fun. Okay, well, your bar is very low. <laughs> and what I like about this episode, too, is that you tell a story about being splashed in a dirty New York City street. And I had forgotten about that because I was recently telling a story about being splashed in Amsterdam by cheesy bleach water. And I had forgotten that we have this in common. That moment when the splash hits you. Oh. Oh, it's a wave of all the emotions. Disgust. <laughs> yes. Terror. Confusion. Rage. Abject fear. <laughs> so we hope you all have a great holiday. But if you have any etiquette questions for us or vents or repents or witness any crimes, please let us know. We're definitely checking our email. In fact, we're going to check it twice. <laughs> okay. And we're going to find out who was naughty and who was nice. And then we're going to talk about it in front of a global audience. And won't that be satisfying? Oh, I find it very satisfying. So please send them to us. And now let's start the show. Let's get it going. Do you walk the wrong way around a temple? Do you forget to give Christmas tips? Do you order too much at a drive-thru? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better When we have to live together We can all use a little help Some people don't ask themselves Were you raised by wolves? Everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I am Leah Vonema. And let's just get right down to it with our amuse-bouche. Let's get in it. I never know what it is. I'm so excited. So for today's amuse-bouche, I want to talk about the concept of circumambulation at a Buddhist temple. We're getting very specific today. I, I, I mean, I don't even understand the question <laughs> on this one. So, so when you enter a Buddhist temple, should you walk clockwise or counterclockwise around it? And so 
the word here is circumambulation. And many religions have this concept. And it literally just means to walk around in a circle. Are you saying ambulation, like ambulatory? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. yeah. Circumambulation. And so like Muslims going around the Kaaba in Mecca, that's cube-shaped building, they like go around it. So a lot of religions have this idea of like going around some sacred object. So in Buddhism, which way do you go? 50-50 shot. I'm going to just guess counterclockwise. Okay. So it's clockwise. Well, I figured it was clockwise and that's why I <laughs> felt like I should go counterclockwise because I didn't want to, man, I should have trusted my gut. <laughs> so it's clockwise. And basically the idea is you keep the sacred object on your right side. And the idea, I guess, depending on sort of who you want to believe, is that the right side is more pure than the left side. And so that's why you have the right side sort of closer to that object. Other religions do it differently. In Islam, when you're going around the Kaaba, you actually go counterclockwise. If you're born, for example, that's a Tibetan religion, it goes counterclockwise. But um, clockwise in Buddhism. So Interesting. It's uh, arbitrary, but a uh, good thing to know. It is a very good thing to know. Also, I learned a new word. <laughs> right. And so for me, growing up in Marin County, like I did, the idea of circumambulation was like just a normal thing growing up. Like, oh, toss it in the pile with like the fish liberations and the sand mandalas. Because where I grew up, there's this mountain in the middle of the county called Mount Tam, Mount Tamalpais. And in the 60s, these famous poets did like a circumambulation and then it became like a tradition in the Bay Area. So it was Allen Ginsberg and Gary Snyder and Philip Whalen. And so they gathered to circumambulate Mount Tam. Oh. And so I think it even still happens today where, you know, there's a special trail that you can do that goes clockwise around this mountain. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, welcome to Wren. It's kind of what we do. You're opening up whole new worlds, whole new worlds. I love it. Yeah. So the idea is if you do go to any Buddha site and are going to be walking around it, just make sure you're going in a clockwise direction and then you'll be fine. Awesome. And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Another holiday deep dive. So for today's question of etiquette, I want to talk about Christmas tips. I was so excited to talk about this because you had asked me <sighs> as a deep dive topic, did I think that people outside of New York would find it interesting yeah, because it's not as common. common. I and I was really excited about it because I don't live in a doorman building and I'm very interested mm. to know how it works. And so even though it doesn't immediately affect my life, I'm still very interested. Well, before we even get there, let's just talk about Christmas tips in general. Oh, that's a great idea. Because like there's some Christmas tipping going on across the country. And I guess one thing to think about is that there is no set rule as a society. We have not agreed on a standard set of rules about how this works, which is why it is super frustrating and maddening and nobody knows the answer. And anxiety producing. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, anxiety producing because we have not agreed on what's right. When you're like, am I doing this right? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And there's all these, you know, online guides, you know, every etiquette guru has their guide, magazines do annual things, newspapers, and everybody has like a totally different, you know, set of rules and expectations, or they give you a range. We're like, well, for the dog walker, it's uh, $15 to $250. And you're like, that's not helpful. Not helpful at all. That's not helpful at all. But I think the idea of using the word tip is wrong. And I think if we reframe it and call it a Christmas bonus... I think thinking of it that way is a better way to think about it. So it's basically, you have done something for me all year long, and here's a little something extra at the end of the year to say thank you for your efforts. It's a bonus. So that helps explain who should get a tip, which is people who have been doing something for you all year long. 
So it's somebody you have a relationship with of some sort that is probably ongoing. So that's your babysitter. That's your house cleaner. That's your doorman. Like it's anybody in that category. So I think that is one way to like reframe what we mean when we say Christmas tips. It's not Christmas tips. It's Christmas bonus. So an idea. Well, I think there's also this other subcategory that it's people that you see regularly and maybe have a customer relationship with that you just want to say you're special to me, which is maybe more of like a a holiday cookie plate. Yes. I mean, I think there's definitely a category of people that we don't actually tip. So like the lawyers and the doctors and the teachers. And for those people, I think we would give like the the brownie box. Yeah. But for everybody else, I think we're talking about cash money. And then like with a doorman, I know we're not talking about doorman, but I'm just using this example to bring up the other example. You're not tipping them on the daily. A lot of these other people, you're tipping every time you're going. Yes. So that's also a good point. The idea of this year end thing is like you could have tipped along the way every time, but instead we're just going to kind of do it all at once at the end of the year. So if you always tip the garage guy every time he pulls your car out, then at Christmas, I don't think you need to give him another tip. But if you don't tip him at all, well, probably your car has been keyed at this point. (laughs) Um, But I think that's a good point. Whereas like your housekeeper, you probably aren't tipping every time they come. And so you should tip them then at the end of the year. Right. And that's when you think of it as like a Christmas bonus. Exactly. Right. And I think one of the guidelines that people do use is like, it's sometimes it's like, one service worth is like how much you tip. Okay. One cleaning session or for babysitters, like one evening of babysitting or dog walkers. It's like one week of dog walking. I don't know how dog walking works, but however that gets paid. So that is one way that people do think about it. And then I think the other thing to think about is also just like whatever it is, don't go over your own personal budget. So the idea is to not like put yourself in financial harm just to satisfy this weird social tipping thing. You tip what you can, like the dollar amount just be appropriate for your own personal budget. And if you have zero budget, but you want to do something nice, then there's other ways to do that without cash. Yeah. So I think those are like important things to like keep in mind. And so, well, let's talk about New York City. All right, let's do it. I mean, New York City is unique and it's insane. People in New York City also find it insane because you can very easily get to two to three thousand dollars <gasps> in Christmas tips. No, it is not inconceivable that if you live in a real fancy full service doorman building with a big staff that you could definitely get to two thousand dollars pretty easily. Yeah. Because here's how it goes down in New York City building. If you live in a doorman building, which means you have a person at your door 24-7, seven days a week, that's not just one person. That is probably five different people. Right. Because they all have shifts. There's the morning guy, the overnight guy, the afternoon guy. So you probably have three shifts a day. And then those people have days off. So then we have relief doormen. So there's probably at least five full-time doormen, two relief doormen. So that could be like seven people. And then also in a big building, you have what we call the porters. These are people who like take out the trash or deal with the recycling or like help with those types of things. Then there's probably a super, superintendent, sometimes called a building manager. In a real big building, there'll be an assistant building manager. And then there's probably handymen. And then in my building, I live in a very big building. There's also the painters. Apparently, we have four full-time people on staff and their whole job is painting. There's a lot to paint, apparently. So... 
What happens at Christmas time is there'll be a note that gets slipped under your door and it'll be like, from the lobby attendants, we wish you a happy holiday season. And then it has everybody's names and what their roles are and often their photos because they want to make sure that you know who's who. And then that's it. And then the idea is like, okay, you got to come up with the dollar map for all these people. So what is interesting is that they keep track. Dormans say they don't keep track. They totally keep track. And you got to keep track too. So I actually have a spreadsheet from when I moved into this building to today showing how much I gave everybody so that I can make sure that I'm you know, not going out of the range each subsequent year because they remember. And then you also have to be mindful of what you tip because a lot of them talk and they share <laughs> the numbers. So that's important. So it, it gets complicated. It gets oh, real that's complicated. so complicated. And then also what is complicated is it depends on what kind of building you're in. If it's a co-op building or a condo building, we won't get into the differences in this show. If it's a rental building, if you own your apartment or you rent it, that matters. And even if it's a non-doorman building, like, you know, you don't have a doorman, but like you still have a super, a lot of people would tip the super. We don't really have a super, so that worked out. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have nobody attending the building. It's feral. <laughs> we really Okay. Did I tell you that uh, my significant other mm-hmm. did a YouTube class on how to do the piping in our shower and was like, I think it would just be easier if I redid it myself. So <laughs> okay. that's what I'm working with. Yeah. So for that, you probably you can get away with not tipping I guess, <laughs> if you're doing your own plumbing. <laughs> so That is a real thing that happened. Yeah, no, I believe it. And then one thing I tell people when they move to New York, because I get this question a lot, is that. You also want to tip your doorman well if they're keeping secrets for you. (gasps) I love it! (laughs) If they're keeping secrets for you, then you might want to tip them a little extra. Oh, that is fantastic. And let me tell you, doorman, they keep secrets. Well, they must know everything. They know everything, of course, yeah. I mean, they see who's coming and going. They know at what hours that's happening. They see what condition people are coming and going, and they know what's up, so... Well, in that case, how are you saying how you know some people you would tip more than others because they're keeping your secret? Yes. Then that's how that goes. And the longer you're in a building, you know, you, you definitely always have your favorites. So, you know, whip staff do more things for you. But if you are lightly living and you don't asking the doorman to really do anything for you and you just kind of get a nice nod as you come home, then, you know, that's one tip level. If they're always helping you drag groceries bags in from the curb, from the taxi in uh, and doing extra things for you, then yeah, they deserve, you know, more tip at the end of the year. So it's a balance. But uh, yeah, Christmas tipping in New York City is just like... Everybody hates it, but that's the game we play. Wow. One up. I always try if around the holidays to tip a little heavier wherever I am, even if it's like just a restaurant or a cab, just because it's the holidays. And But that's not a, somebody that I have a continual relationship with. Yeah. I mean, I think it's nice to just spread some holiday cheer in general. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to sort of like toss an extra dollar into the, the jar at the coffee shop. Yeah. I mean, I think that's nice to get into the spirit of things. But- the tipping in New York City, at least, that is more of a obligation <laughs> on some level. That doesn't feel like holiday cheer. Oh, and one thing I want to mention is when you're doing it, you want to have crisp bills. It should be crisp bills. It's not like whatever change you dug up from your purse. Mm. And if you're going to tip 50 bucks or 100 bucks, it is nice if it's a $50 bill or a $100 bill. So it's nice if it's sort of like the full bill of what it is. And do you put it in a card? And then it should go into a holiday card. Yes. And you should write a nice note. Thank you so much for a great year. And then you want to make sure your name and apartment numbers on it very clearly. Because the whole point is for them to know that you in that apartment gave them money. 
Right. Like that's the whole point here. So you want to make sure that's very clear. And then you can either hand it to them directly, which is nice. Eye contact. Thank you so much. Or usually you can like have the management office distribute it depending on how big your building is or, you know, whatnot. But uh, that's the idea with the Christmas tips. Wow. New York City. Greatest city in the world. Ugh, why do we live here? I mean, technically, I'm over the bridge. No, I live in New York City. <laughs> I think of Queens. Uh, New York City is all of its boroughs. It is, yes, technically, yes. It's also state of mind. You know, they should write a song about that. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV, which has the best of British, Canadian, New Zealand, like all sorts of great television. And they have tons of different kinds of shows. Oh yeah, all sorts of genres. (laughs) I'm just severely focused on crime, mystery, murder. That's really my sweet spot. And so obviously the Broken Wood (laughs) Mysteries from New Zealand, this is up your alley. Very up my alley because it combines my love of murder mysteries and my love of New Zealand, which was born from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, no, anything said in a seemingly quiet country town where something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is up your alley. Also, they have a big city detective move to said small town, having to work with the local police and they have a a different way of doing things that everybody finds to be a bit (laughs) jarring. So up my alley. So check that out and use promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my Books of the Month but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to <laughs> See this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! So our first question is, quote, Please help with how to handle this bizarre request I just received from my sister-in-law. She just sent an email today to her husband and me that said, just in case you need some ideas. And it was a forwarded email from some store where I'm guessing she wants me to buy her a gift card. I think there's a presumption that because I'm a doctor, I must be rich, but I'm not. Also, they have not ever sent a gift to me. Not that it matters. Should I ignore this email? Is that rude? I should note that they live on the other coast and we're not exceptionally close. We rarely talk on the phone and I maybe see them only once or twice a year at most. I think we've said this, this is not the question, but it's in the question and we've said it before. I think important to reiterate whether or not somebody, you think somebody has money or doesn't have money. Immaterial. Immaterial. Immaterial, yes. And also the quote, not that it matters. Oh, I think it matters to you that they have never given you a gift. Yeah, it does matter. Yeah, I think that matters to you. Yeah. not It doesn't matter that they're giving you a gift. It, it's just the, the idea that you would just buy somebody something. Yeah. And it's also interesting that in-laws, it's always the in-laws causing trouble. 
Have you noticed this? We've had a noticeable uptick in in-law letters. Yeah. Hmm. Again, so I I would love to know what the person who's related to this person, how they would like to handle it. Yeah, they're never sending us the letter. Yeah. I would like to know that. So, okay. So I think we can agree that asking somebody to buy you a present is rude. Well, they did it so sneaky where they were like, if you're looking for ideas. I mean, is that sneaky? No, it's not sneaky, but I mean, <laughs> it's so. It's not subtle. It's not subtle, but it's this like, you want to be like, what are you, what are you talking? Obviously, I wasn't looking for ideas. <laughs> right. We haven't established a relationship where I'm looking for ideas. Yeah, I haven't talked to you in a year and a half and uh, not looking for birthday ideas. So it's almost to the point, and obviously this isn't it, but when someone writes that where you'd be like, oh, I think you didn't mean to send this to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, you accidentally sent this to me. Oops. Did you mean to send this to somebody who you'd had a conversation with about whether or not they were looking for ideas? Did you mean to send this to somebody who cares? <laughs> um, I thought there was two ways to handle this. Okay. And I think probably neither of them is correct. I think you could just ignore it. I think you could also say, oh, did you want to exchange gifts this year? Uh, all right. I like that. I mean, that comes across as a little passive aggressive. I'd be happy to do gifts with family. It's family. They're related. Yes. So, oh, are we going to do gifts? Okay. So if you could say it in a way that was sort of value neutral and non-judgmental, like, oh, are we doing gifts this year? Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> then I'll send you some stuff. Okay. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's real hard to pull off, but okay. And can I just pretend I didn't get the email? Why not? I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like this is the relationship that we really care about. Like we see them once or twice a year. We're not that close. They're on their other coast. If they want to be mad that I didn't buy them this thing, have at it. Also, she has set you up. What are you supposed to say back? Yes. Your options include don't need ideas, (laughs) new phone, who dis? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> which is always my favorite. Unsubscribe. I mean, that would really be taking a stand. If this is like, um, maybe they're trying to start having some kind of a relationship with these people that they clearly don't have. And you're like, all right, are you trying to make an effort that we would exchange gifts this year or whatever? I mean, if you wanted to rekindle a relationship, <laughs> is this the way we're going to do it? No, but I'm leaving that door open if that was what that was. Oh, that's real charitable. <laughs> that's very charitable. You know, the holiday season is a time for an open heart. No, we don't live in a world in which that is the reality of what is happening here. Um, what if we talk to her husband, who I guess is your brother? But why? That's the thing. Now I got to do work. I got to talk to somebody else that I'm not talking to. Well, I mean, could you send him an email and just be like, question mark? (laughs) Or could you send it to him and be like, I think this was for you. Right. But that's immediately going to go back to her. Whatever you send the husband is going to her. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way that he's going to keep that from her. Yeah. No. So I like the deleting it. Yeah. I think deleting it is your best bet. Or you could email back and be like, are you drunk? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or do we just send back like a confusing emoji? Just like a loaf of bread emoji? (laughs) And just like we send an emoji back and that's like our response and let them decipher it and like let them try to figure it out. I think it would be so fun is if all of our amazing Were You Raised by Wolves listeners Mm. and us, we become this army of people who turn the tables on people who make us feel uncomfortable by just behaving in these weird ways, like responding with emojis of loaves of bread. Yes, I think. 
oh, I'm uncomfortable. So here's the response you get. <laughs> you figure it out. Yep. Loaf of bread emoji. <laughs> Good luck figuring that out. Send. <laughs> yeah. It's not rude. I stand by that. That's my final answer. Loaf of bread emoji. Yeah. And I think it's not rude if you ignore it. Yep. Okay. Our next question is, quote, my husband and I recently celebrated a significant wedding anniversary. I feel sad and hurt that our grown children didn't acknowledge it other than by saying happy anniversary through text. I don't know exactly what I was expecting. Maybe a nice card at least? A gift card to a favorite restaurant? Am I being too dramatic? Hmm. So my first thought is, I think it kind of depends on what your family's style is for celebrating things historically. Because there are some families that are like, they're not big celebrators. This is like not their thing. They don't make a big deal about birthdays or anniversaries or holidays or whatever. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's like people that go all out for all occasions. So I think one question is like, what is the historical precedence that has been created in your family around celebrating anniversaries? So that's first thought. The second thought is, they said it's a significant wedding anniversary. So for that, even if you are in a household that like makes a big deal, significant wedding anniversary? What is that? 25? 50? Like what's significant? I don't know. 25 or 50 both seem good. I would, my guess is that it's 50. 50. That seems significant. If it's 50, yeah, a text message, that feels a little. This is how I read this question. Oh. They are not a family that does things on anniversaries. It's never been brought up. Right. Except for like a happy anniversary. And I think maybe our literary is saying she feels sad that it wasn't recognized. Right. And I think it's, it would be nice if people recognized that it was a big deal without having to have been told. But I do think particularly with wedding anniversaries, just because of the solipsistic, I think is better word than selfish, even though it's almost the same, it's not quite. And (laughs) it's because more than likely your kids weren't there when you got married. Uh, that's true. Yes. So it doesn't feel like a thing. I think they need to be told. This is a big wedding anniversary for us. Would love to like have some sort of a celebration with you. Yeah, I think they could initiate that. Yes. Obviously, it would be nice if people just knew that. Right. Yes. And I think a lot of people's inclination for a lot of occasions like birthdays or wedding anniversaries is like you want the person to come up with the thoughtfulness. You don't want them to have to be told to be thoughtful because it somehow feels less thoughtful, which I guess is also true on some level. I mean, it is true. Yeah. I mean, it is true. So are you being too dramatic? Um, I don't think you're actually being that dramatic in the reading of this letter. No, and I think you're allowed to feel like you wanted somebody to pay attention to something. Yes. Although etiquette wise, we do need to be careful about celebrating yourself. That becomes a little trickier territory. Well, I think that's why you could say, we'd love to do it. This is a big year for us. And we'd love to just like celebrate together. Could we do a Zoom call or something? Right. Yes. You know, that that's more mild than like expecting people to throw a party for you. Which I don't think she wanted. She wanted like a card. No, she, yeah. She just wanted a card in the mail. Or she a would have settled call. for that. Yeah. Yes. I don't yes. feel like that's real low bar. She's not <laughs> Her asking Her needs were for... very low. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So our next question is, quote, my partner and I visited his family for a few days. One night, they decided to take a break from cooking and just get fast food. The group included his parents, me, him, his sisters, and both their partners. So eight people total, each with at least a standard fast food meal order, some with modifications, like no pickles or onions. And my partner and I made a list of what everyone wanted and then drove off to pick up food and bring it back. My partner wanted to go through the drive-thru, but I argued that with such a large order, it was not fair to the employees 
or to the other people in the drive-thru if we used it. I said we should go inside. I know that drive-thru employees are trained to move fast, but to me, a drive-thru is for one car's worth of food, not food for eight people. My partner disagreed. What's the right move here? Am I worrying over nothing? Or can you have too big of an order for a drive-thru? So we talked about drive-thru etiquette some time ago, but I don't think we covered this scenario. We didn't cover this scenario. I had two thoughts. Okay. One of them is, I don't think it's the size of the order. I think it's how complicated the order is. I think there is a size which is too large. I mean, if you go in and ask for 100 Big Macs, yeah, but that, I think we can agree that's too large, even though it's simple. This is not too large. This is a, two families. Yeah. I don't know what your modifications are. Well, like no pickles or onions, I guess. But I mean, how many? Is it like one had no pickles, one had no onions, one with ketchup, but with mustard? You know what I mean? Right. That's where it starts getting, that's go inside. I think that my limit is six. Six people, assuming we're only using one payment method. So no separate checks. Oh, no separate checks. I think six people, fast food, they can handle that. Even if it's a little complicated, six is good. If we go past six, I think we can do it if it's simple and all the same. So if it's eight number two combo meals and that's it, okay, you can use the drive-thru. I like that. I also think if it's like, if my partner was like, I want to go through the drive-thru and I was uncomfortable about it. Mm -hmm. And then I would just be like, okay, then you're going by yourself. You go pick it up. Okay. I mean, if you feel that that's okay and you want to do it and that it makes me very anxious. I just won't go. We don't have to agree on it. You just do it alone. Yeah, I guess that's one option. I mean, I think why we're concerned about a too large of an order is that you don't want to be responsible for holding people up behind you. Like, I think we're concerned about that. And one thing I've heard about, and I don't have a lot of personal drive-through experience, as we know, but one thing I've heard about is that if you have a large, complicated order, when you drive up to the window, you can pay and then you can offer to drive through and park and ask if they'll bring it out to you so that you can get out of the line and when they're ready with your large complicated order, if they'll just bring it out to your car. And you can ask if that's a thing they'll do and some places will do that. So I think that's an interesting loophole. That actually seems like more work for the people working. Now they got to leave the building? Oh, that's true. I was thinking more about the people behind you, but then that is worse for the staff. Yeah, that's way worse for the (laughs) staff. Yeah, actually, that's a terrible idea. Why did I say that? That's a horrible suggestion. Yeah, retract that. I don't think the people waiting behind you that long are going to have to wait that long for eight burgers. It just doesn't seem that egregious. But I do understand that like it might make you uncomfortable just because it's not a thing. Like I don't do well with food delivery. So what do I do? I'm not in the room. What do you mean you don't do well with food delivery? It just, I like to go pick it up. So if somebody comes at your door with like a delivery order, you hide in the bathroom? Yep. Because you don't want to be present while this exchange is happening? It's too hard for me. I just want to have a full conversation. I want to be like, how are the stairs? I also always go all the way down. I don't want people to have to walk up the stairs. It's just, it's so anxiety producing for me. I might as well just go stand outside. And then at that point, well, I'm you might just as well just go, go to the restaurant. Right. That's what I do. I go and I pick it up. And sometimes Dustin will be like, I really just want to get takeout. And I'll be like, okay, if I'm not picking it up, I'm going to hide in the bathroom when they get here. Because otherwise, I'm just going to go outside and wait in the corner anyway, because I feel bad people taking the stairs, even though that's the whole point. And then I also feel rude. I'm just taking their food and then leaving. I just, and then I over tip. And then I just want to have a conversation about how their day was. It's too much. So I have to go in the bathroom. <laughs> so I understand Leah if you're a Bonima, person everybody. <laughs> such Leah as Bonima. myself who just can't handle 
can handle very complicated things in life, but some mm-hmm. little daily actions, too much because it feels too layered. In which case, you want to do that? Great. Get in the car. Go by yourself. Um, I mean, I guess it's good that you know your limits and you know when you want to just take yourself out of the situation. I just, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be, okay. in, I stand behind the shower curtain. <laughs> I feel like what we should do is try and desensitize you and like ease you into getting food delivered. So maybe it's just like- I've done it a few times. And then there's always like, do I have enough clothes on? Well, what is the answer to that? Yes. You know, do I, how dressed do I have to be? It's just, dressed. I'd rather just not. There's too many questions. Okay. Um, we'll put a pin in that for another day. <laughs> so if you have questions for us about anything. Did we answer this? Um, oh, I feel like I said six is good for me. If you want to do eight, you can, if there's really no modifications to it. And definitely if it's only one payment method. That's what I'm saying. Or you can just stay home and make somebody else go do it. Or you could subcontract. Yes. Because I don't think it's really that big of a deal for the cars behind you to wait for eight burgers. I guess if eight is the limit, but then what is the slippery slope? Is it 10? I mean, once we start doing double digits, it seems... Okay, nine fine, 10 wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So once we get beyond the size of the Von Trapp family. Yes. With Maria. With Maria. Then it's too far. <laughs> okay. So there, we all agree there is some line. There is a line. I don't think it's eight. Okay. And we're just saying it's not eight, but it's not more than 10. Right. But I absolutely understand why it would make you nervous. And that's why I'm openly admitting to all of our listeners what a weirdo I am about <laughs> food delivery and hiding in the bathroom. And so you know that I totally get this anxiety. And that's why I feel like you should feel free to stay home. Okay. So if you have questions about <laughs> anything, please let us know. You can let us know through our website, where you're raised by wolves.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. Did you know we have merchandise? No. (laughs) (laughs) Leah, you didn't? Well, it's true. There's mugs, there's tote bags, there's t-shirts, there's pillows, there's stationery, custom stationery, boxes of stationery, all sorts of great stuff. So go to our website and check it out. And we're always adding to the pillow collection. Yes. Anytime something comes up on our show, which is like, put that on a pillow. We do. (laughs) (laughs) So check it out. And we're back. And now it's time to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So Leah, would you like to vent? Or repent. Uh, I think I'm going to take uh, vents for a thousand. <laughs> Daily double. <laughs> okay. Well, I would like to have your vent in the form of a question. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I want to paint a visual picture of where I am. Please paint the scene. So if you live in New York, 
I am coming up on Bloomingdale's. Okay, so we're on the Upper East Side. I'm on coming up on 58th Street. Lexington Avenue. I'm on Lexington, but I'm on the west south corner. Okay. It's raining. Mm. <laughs> it's not that kind of rain. It's <laughs> okay. like a, uh Yeah, New York City rain where it uh, doesn't quite wash it off. <laughs> yeah. It sticks to you. Mm-hmm. And then it's coming in from all sides. Okay. And then obviously we're all stopping at lights. So we've all, the walking group have become collectively closer together. Okay. Because that's just happening. We keep, we're hitting all the lights. We're at that corner. This car, so this car is coming across 58th. Mm-hmm. It's as we're all standing there, barely staying dry under our separate umbrellas. This car had to go out of its own. They were going straight across. Go out of its way to hit this puddle that was up next to the sidewalk. Like they actually veered it. How do you not see the throngs of people standing on a sidewalk waiting for the light? When you pull, I mean, there's no way I can only assume that they did it on purpose because they came into the curb and hit this huge uh, puddle, which tidal waved the whole front of the line. And they weren't even turning. There was no need for them to be near that puddle. There was no need for them to pull in. And if benefit of the doubt, they just weren't paying attention. Um, you have to be aware of a driver in a city when there are people, which in New York, loaded with people waiting for the light to change. They soaked the whole front of the line. And the water in that puddle wasn't Avion. The water in that puddle brought back the plague. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in that water, I'm sure. I think I yelled something, you know, it was just this guttural response where I was like, you will be punished. I just, I couldn't. It was, I wasn't in the front of the line and I did, it was almost as if I was a gymnast in the Olympics. I felt like it was sort of a backflip to sort of just get out in enough time. But I just... What kind of a mean, evil person is soaking pedestrians? That's evil. Yeah, that is truly evil. Yeah, that's not even an etiquette crime. So rude. So rude. I mean, that's so mild to say that that's rude. To purposely drive through a puddle so you can soak 50 people on the curb. Like, this goes beyond rudeness. Right? That just goes, I mean, there's zero empathy at that point. Zero empathy. Zero. Negative empathy. Yeah, that's shocking. Um, so you burned off the top five layers of your skin. And I did. I came destroyed home. all of your clothing. I just dumped myself in rubbing alcohol, and then I just lit a quick match. Mm-hmm. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> New York City water. It's, uh, it's the best. Ah. So for me, I would also like to vent. Oh, good. And I would like to vent about people who interrupt you, but specifically when you're on the phone and you're trying to give them your phone number or credit card number and they keep talking over you. And so we have to keep starting over. (laughs) So I want to do a demonstration. So I want you to try and read this number. Okay. And I'm going to like take it down like you're placing an order with me. Okay. Okay. All right. uh, Miss Bonima, I just need your card number. Do you have your card handy? I have my card handy. Okay, great. So uh, go ahead. Three, seven, one, four. Three, seven. One, four. Three, three, seven, one. Four. Four. Okay. Four. That's three, two seven, fours. Four, two, four. Okay. Two, I'm four. I'm just going to so start over. Three, three, four, four. Let me start again. Okay. Three, seven. Three, one, seven. four. Oh, I, I think we have to start over. Three, seven, three, one, seven. four. <laughs> Let me just say the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so isn't this maddening? It's so maddening. 
(laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had this happen? Is it just me? No, it happens. And it's sort of like, just let me say it or let me do the normal pauses and then we can like edit and then uh, verify. But it's just like, I've had this happen like three times this week. And it's like, A, why does your website not work? And so I could just place this order online. Like, why am I talking to you? And then it's like, just let me get through the number. I'll I'll do four digits at a time. No worries. Just let me do that. And then we're good. And also, it's like, I'm sure they do this regularly. You would think they would realize. All day long, I'm sure you're taking credit card numbers. But if they don't let you talk, it's going to take longer. That's my vent. Oh, I would love to be in a room just watching your face when that was happening. (laughs) I mean, just scratch my eyeballs out. (laughs) So, Leah... What have we learned? I not only learned about circumambulation, mm-hmm. I learned what circumambulation is. Sure. Because it was like it didn't exist. I didn't even know it was a word. And now a whole other portal mm. has been opened into my life and it's really cool. And now you're just going to be walking around in your apartment in a circle. I'm going to be circumambulating. Do it. And I learned that if I have some plumbing work I need done... I can call you guys. You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun because you just put it directly into YouTube and there will be, I guarantee you, a dude who is like, I know how to do this. And then <laughs> he has a video doing exactly what you want and he like breaks it down. It's incredible. The internet. It's amazing. I love it. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, send me a handwritten note on my custom stationery. He would. I would. I do. He does. So for your homework this week, I want you to tell three friends about us. And I want you to send us an email with a question, event, or repent. I want to hear from you. So send me an email. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go. I would like to thank Amber and Andre who showed up at a show I was at and they brought me a birthday present. Because it was your birthday. Because it was my birthday and it was just the sweetest thing and very kind and considerate and just really made me feel special. And they were always very supportive and I just really, really appreciate it. Oh, that's nice. And for me, we got a great message through cordialsofkindness.com, which you can send us things to. And this says, quote, I want to say thank you to my best friend. I recently had a scary and emotional medical emergency, and she sent me flowers, a book, and a lovely note all the way from China. She also introduced me to this wonderful podcast. Thanks, twin. Oh, that's nice. That's so nice. That's a good friend. Very good friend. I hope you're feeling better. Yes. And thank you for getting the word out about our show. Double nice. Double nice. Yes. So thank you. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, 
less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Nick and I realized as we were watching all of the televisions, these are all shows where everybody drives on the other side of the road. I mean, except for like the Canadian things like Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, left-handed driving. But Murdoch Mysteries, there's still horses. A loophole. Um, so, <laughs> I love a loophole. So speaking of driving left, from New Zealand comes the Brokenwood Mysteries. Let me set the scene. Everybody knows I'm obsessed with New Zealand. Obviously from my love of Lord of the Rings, which everyone knows is a true story that happened in New Zealand. And so this takes place in a fictional town in New Zealand, small town, less than 5,000 people, which is exactly the size of the town I grew up in. And it's like a big city detective comes to the small town and has to work with the small town police force. What a recipe for a fantastic crime drama. And we have the small towns, people are dying left, right, and center. And use code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.